Welcome to Wellness Force Friday. I'm your host, Josh Trent, and this is a special edition, bite-sized podcast that fuels the start of your weekend with actionable steps for your wellness journey through an inspiring story or message from a trusted influencer that helps us discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. If it's your first time listening to the show, make sure you click over to one of our full-length featured episodes to get hundreds more in-depth interviews. All right, let's drop in together for this week's message. Ali Waddell's experience in the wellness industry comes from 16 years exploring what empowers people to create and maintain healthy and happy lives through her own process of self-healing, self-testing, and self-love, which I love that. She has discovered that there's not a singular path to living a healthy life. Each path is unique to each person and personal transformation, a vulnerable and lifelong pursuit. She supports her clients in creating their unique lifestyle ecosystem. This signature process takes the confusion out of optimizing mental, nutritional, and physical health while loving life and having fun. Allie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Josh. It's so exciting to be here. This is a special edition cast because you and I were already talking about how technology can either connect us or disconnect us. And today we're dropping in. We're getting real with Ali Waddell Wellness, which I think is beautiful because this is the Wellness Force community. You have a wellness posse. Can you tell us a little bit about you? If people don't know you like I do on Instagram, and if they don't know any digital signature of who you are, what do you do? Why do you do it? Yeah, I have been in the wellness industry for, goodness gracious, over 15 years. Uh, It's been a very windy road how I've gotten here. And I really have used my own story of struggle with eating disorder and body dysmorphia and then being super fit and then losing yourself and losing your fitness and getting divorced and moving, you know, all the things that happen in the real life with everybody. And how do you continue to come back in line with what your mission and purpose is and to really fulfill a happy and healthy life and that look at it in the long term as opposed to these real quick fixes. And so my all my stuff is really simple, small changes that help people integrate wellness into their lives and create what I like to call lifestyle ecosystems because you have to set your life up for success. You can't kind of live in the same life that's gotten you unhealthy and sick and sad and then expect everything to change. (laughs) And so I really, really have looked at how are these tiny things that I'm integrating into my life? How can I kind of get that information out to as many people as possible so that they can also help themselves? Because I believe everybody is their own best teacher, coach, and wellness professional. And it's all about like getting creative getting curious about what's going on and kind of using yourself as a guinea pig and figuring out what lifestyle fits you and what feels great because you can be be super fit and super healthy, but if you're miserable and don't like it, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. That's not really the point. (laughs) (laughs) So on your site, you talk about an early food memory and it was from your great grandmother's counter where you're cutting out biscuits. Walk us through where you came from there to now in a high level. I mean, what have you let go of? What are the beliefs that you absorbed when you were a young woman, a young girl that didn't serve you, that you gave the gift of goodbye to? Yeah, uh, about 1 million. <laughs> I'll go through the highlights though. Yeah, so my earliest, I, I have a very deep soul connection with food. And that comes from early growing up in the South in a food culture that is really prominent about sharing and love and that that's actually what feeding people is about. And so those things that I've really loved to internalize. So I've always loved cooking and cooking for people and sitting communally around a table. But what that also taught me 
And what I kind of internalized from that and getting into high school, middle school, where stuff gets real awkward with everybody, especially teenage girls, was that maybe all of these things that I really loved were really bad in some ways. And so my, my family actually was super healthy, but because of that, there was a lot of no foods. There was like no soda, no chips, no, no anything, you know, no, nothing bad. I, you know, I was kind of lucky to raise around kind of hippie mom, but at the same time I would go over to friends' houses who ate normally and was able to like, Oh my gosh, I'll eat every lucky charm you have (laughs) because we don't have those. And so it became this really unhealthy relationship with food. I was also a very picky eater. And so I learned to cook in order to negate having to eat my parents' food. But what I cooked was not very healthy. And those patterns of internalizing there's good stuff and there's bad stuff and there's right ways and wrong ways, period, end of story, raised in kind of this very regimented lifestyle, that took me most of my life to let go of, to, to realize that only through acceptance and surrender to all things can you actually find balance and can you stop judging yourself and kind of living in this life of you're bad. If you do this, you're bad. Internalizing and shaming yourself, especially around food. And that was one that I struggled with for most of my adult life. I had an adult onset eating disorder, um, which is actually not very common, but it hit me in my early twenties when I got into the fitness industry and it stayed with me on and off very cyclically till my mid thirties. So not too long ago. Well, I can connect with you there because I noticed on your site, you talk about you became a trainer to help people looking back. You saw within yourself that it was really a career that many of us choose to fix our own body, to heal our own selves and our issues. Yeah, I've posted on Facebook before. I actually lost almost 90 pounds on a starvation diet in my early 20s. And so mm-hmm. men do this too. Yeah. We have a lot of women that listen to the show, a lot of coaches, a lot of trainers, a lot of people that shine light on others for a living. But the dark Dark parts of ourselves, that part that we don't want always other people to see. What was that dark part from you? How did you heal from the darkness? I really believe that shame can only live in secrecy. And so the biggest part for me was being really honest for the first time in my life. I had been struggling in front of everybody, my family, my ex-husband, not one person knew. How was that possible? Hmm. You know, and what does that really look like? when you were supposedly this health professional, you know, guru girl that everybody looks up to. And at home, you're making, you know, giant things of cookie dough and then eating them and then purging and then crying in your bed thinking, I should just kill myself because if anybody found out that I was such a fraud, I might die of embarrassment itself. But the first part was you have to let people really see you. And as scary as that is, especially in the fitness industry, especially when we're on this pedestal of perfection, both what we look like and how we live, that is terrifying. The monster that is, you know, the fraud police that's living in the back of your head keeps you sick because it keeps you silent. And it was really only until I was able to be really honest, was I able to actually heal myself? And then also, of course, as soon as you're honest, everybody else is honest. <laughs> and huh. they're like, oh my gosh, I've been struggling with that. And I've heard that over and over on the Wellness Force podcast is that is the message that you continue to hear. It's through that vulnerability yeah. and sharing our stories that we can actually connect and heal 
not only ourselves, but with our clients. And if we're not willing to look at our own stuff, we're going to perpetuate and push our junk onto our clients. Let's talk about and the fraud not- police. Who yeah. are they? Who are these fraud police? Because I, I think I've heard their sirens, but I'm not sure of their uniform. <laughs> you know, for me, it was that everybody would look at me and know that I was out of my element. Because I got into this as kind of a second career, it was one of those things where I was like, everybody's looking at me going, why in the world is that girl here? And I felt that way for most of my training career, I would say up until the last like five years, you know, I was in the training business for 10 years at a very elite gym working with very elite clients and still felt like a complete and utter sham because everybody around me had master's degrees in physiology. You know, I was not, you know, or they were PTs or they have doctorates and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm just a girl who's a trainer, Hmm. you know? And because of that, I felt like I had to hold myself to this level of perfection, especially around my body and my eating that was not sustainable and was not healthy. But the more I get to know everybody, the fraud police lives in every person's head. Even the most successful people think at some point that somebody's going to discover them. They just continue to walk through them, though. <laughs> oh my and gosh. so I think that's kind of the goal. I think we've all heard the sirens, Ali. Like, uh, I definitely yeah. have heard them myself. I remember like one of my first training sessions ever, 2005 Las Vegas, I was standing by the printer and I was printing out like a 20 pack that I'd sold. And I'm like, am I good enough to do this? I mean, that thought literally <laughs> flashed across my mind. And I'm feeling for you, there's been so many thresholds, but a lot of people listening are experiencing a threshold possibly right now, like this Friday, this week, they're in their threshold. Can you tell us about one of yours that really made a difference when you figured out how to transcend it? Yeah, I think one of the biggest uh, thresholds in general, kind of threshold philosophy is learning when to say no and when to, to surrender. I think surrender is maybe one of the most powerful things that you can do. Um, especially if you're any kind of type A person, because surrender feels like failure for a lot of people. And to realize that in order to follow your path, in order to really get in alignment with what you want to do, you have to say no and goodbye to a lot more things. And that is a really hard lesson to learn. The hard, you know, people are like, I don't, how do you just continue to follow your path? And the following of the path is for me, not the hard part. It's letting go of what's no longer serving you. And so when I was in California, I was trying to make it work in a relationship and a job and in a place that was not serving me in any way and had taught me a ton of very valuable lessons, but was keeping me away from what I knew I was supposed to do. You know, I came back to Austin in 2016 for a week for my birthday, and I had this aha moment and realized I had decided that I was happy enough in California. Mm. You know, I was happy enough. I wasn't actually happy, but I'd convinced myself that happy enough was an okay place to live in. And I came back and I was filled up with joy because of the place that I am in, because of the people, because of the energy in the city that I love. And I went back and within nine days, I broke up with my fiance, I quit my job and I packed a van and I moved back to Texas. And that was the hard thing. I mean, the hard thing is letting go for me or always has been a letting go and like relinquishing control and really trusting that the universe will be there at your back if you're in alignment with what you really are put on this planet to do. This is what I connected with so much. When I was looking at your work last week, you said, I believe the universe gives us tools when we're ready to use them. 
I mean, that deserves the biggest deep breath because so many people can relate to just getting a message from a friend, or in your case, it was a TED talk from Brene Brown, where you just felt the decision was clear. That clarity of decision, that decisive action that allowed you to move, that allowed you to step into this new phase. What do you think that looks like for people that are letting go of weight? How do they get to that moment where they get a download from a TED talk or they get a clear, decisive action from the universe? How do they call that in? I think the number one, in order to listen to what the universe or God or whoever you want to call it is, the first thing you got to do is get real still and real quiet. And I think that is a scary place for a lot of people. And so finding some kind of practice around getting still, and that doesn't have to mean sitting on a meditation mat (laughs) in lotus position. That can mean walking (laughs) meditation. That can be sitting in your car, taking five deep breaths. That can be gratitude practice first thing in the morning, whatever that practice is that you can integrate in your life that will continually help you to get silent and get as still as possible that's when you can hear it. And that's when you can really feel every person has the chance to tap into what their soul is driven to do. But to do that, you have to turn off the external noise. And so many people are numbing out right now, not, you know, will not turn off their phones, will not turn off the music. And that had been me. I mean, I had lived in this like manic state of FOMO, like just like more, 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 because if I, because if I don't slow down and I never stop, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then I won't realize like what an absolute disaster my life is, (laughs) you know? Wow. Yeah. Scrolling becomes the new smoking alley, right? So I absolutely love that. Yeah. My friend from Uncommon Wellness posted this on Instagram and I'm just thinking this is so true right now. What I heard from you is that you were scrolling, you were on social, you were frenetically posting, possibly being consumed by digital avenues. How have you pulled back from that? How have you empowered your own personal wellness, your own emotional intelligence to disconnect from technology and only connect with the parts of technology that will serve you and other people? It's a big question. Yeah. Scheduling, (laughs) period is I have an early morning start time and I have a evening stop time. I don't look at my phone before I've done my morning practice, period. End of story. And then my phone actually feels kind of like a reward for getting my stuff done. And then in the evening, one of my new practices, which I've really enjoyed, 7.30 if, I, if I'm home and we're done with dinner, our phones go in a drawer, done. Like, and mm. you put them away. Like you just have to, you have to have a hard stop time because in our 24 hour cycle that we're in now, it is damn near impossible to like self monitor your, (laughs) I I find self monitor your social. I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of people working on things on your phone to make them addictive. Like people don't think about that, but there are thousands of people trying to make your phone as addictive as possible. And they're really good at their job. They're really (laughs) good. We had Nir Ayal on the show last year. We'll link that in the show notes where we talked about technology addiction, Mm -hmm. how there are scientists, behavioral psychologists, Ali, that are studying human habits so they can make you be on your phone as much as possible. By the way, the number now I think is up to 150 times a day that people check their social media, not just their phone, but the social Mm -hmm. media itself. How do you believe that technology can be used for the good. So that beautiful habit you gave us of like giving yourself a reward to check your phone after your morning habits, that's that's powerful. Yeah. I love that so much. Is there anything else when you look at how we can parse away technology and only call it in when it's of service? 
Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that really changed everything was cleaning up my social media list. So really going through and doing a hard edit, you don't have to defriend people, but unfriend people who are not sharing positive information. View that however you must like, but it really is helpful. (laughs) And also to really start following the things that get you excited and passionate. Like if your feed is full of positive, inspirational, informative information, then even when you're looking at it, you're still getting that very positive um, reaction. And I did that on kind of all across my board of social channels and it really changed everything. So now I'm getting to read cool articles and everything is wellness and I'm getting all these very positive um, notes as opposed to logging on and seeing everybody, you know, yell about the president. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't do. I just, it's not that I have my head in the sand, but that is not where I need to spend my time and go down a rabbit hole of despair. You've talked about your clients. They come to you, you know, essentially for help with their diet, but the real work that you find, the one that was catalyzed by your life story is this relationship that you have with yourself. Can you share with us a story of a client you've worked with where that relationship with self was one that was grown and that love, that self-love, that connection was actually the thing that made the food habits better? Oh, yeah. I have a client that I worked with actually a number of years ago, Tiffany, and she was this bright, bubbly, just sweetest pie girl. But she um, was born with severe scoliosis, so very severe scoliosis, and she had a rod in her spine. And so because of that, growing up, she was not really athletic. You know, her parents kind of kind of like wrapped her, you know, in a little bubble because they didn't want her to get hurt. Mm. And she was just not very athletic. And I started working with her and she is an innate insane athlete like insane (laughs) like you started doing stuff with her and I'm like why how how can you do all this stuff and that shift from her not feeling strong and empowered especially as a woman she was in the oil and gas business and so it was a kind of a very male-driven business and she felt kind of insecure the whole time and to see her blossom through this strength and kind of this empowerment to take back her body from what she felt was like, she felt broken. She felt broken. And she felt like she had kind of gotten a short end of the stick. And then to realize that she had all of these ways in utilizing her body and to become this amazing athlete. And then she became a triathlete and then she did a Spartan race. And then she got, you know, promotions at her work. And she really does tie it to that internal love and belief in herself that she is in control of her destiny and no matter what kind of card she was dealt, that she can use those as the fuel to fuel this fire and then to inspire others. So she went back and was like helping other, you know, started talking with kids that had scoliosis. And it was just, it's just been such an amazing thing to watch her kind of blossom and grow into this woman who is just like, you know, unstoppable. This is one of the things that I admire about your work and kind of what attracted me to have you on the show. It's like, we are all on the journey. Everyone is in the process of getting the the physical and emotional intelligence they can use so they can live their life in an amazing way. But some people don't want to share their hardships along the path. You do. And do you feel like that authenticity, that you know, selected vulnerability where you're not just vomiting on people about your struggles all the time, but you're, you know, strategically sharing about like, Hey, these are the things that I'm really working on. If people don't share, will that possibly hold them back from ever growing into what they want to be? I think secrets keep you sick, period. 
family secrets. I think personal secrets. I think relationship secrets. They keep you sick and stuck. I am a big proponent of not just emotionally vomiting on all of your friends, but find those friends that deserve to know you because there is no closeness without real vulnerability. There is no connection without vulnerability. And you have to be able to be honest and you have to be able to own your story. I feel like I'm channeling Brene Brown right now, but that's the whole thing. You cannot write your story. Your story will run your life until you own it. And you can only own it if you're willing to speak it so that you can rewrite the ending. I just really believe in the case of you don't need to tell everybody. I don't want nobody needs to be going on social and sharing their dirty laundry with everybody. But if you don't have at least two people in your life that you can get real honest with, then that should be your number one goal. (laughs) (laughs) Find a circle of friends or people that can show up for you and not only show up for you, but will help you not sit in your stuff and really push you to move past. It's really important who you surround yourself with. I'm just going to say hell yes to what you just (laughs) spoke right there, because that deep truth that you just told us, that is really what separates men and women from best friends and circle of acquaintances. The real friends, the powerful ones will take a stand for you, even if it's information you don't want to hear in that moment, right? Completely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you need somebody to call you on your shit. That's just how it is. If you have yes friends all around you, you need to look for another circle. (laughs) Yep. God, so powerful, Ali. And with the messaging that you're putting out at your website, where can people learn more about what you're up to right now? Uh, Well, my social media channels are usually the best way to reach me. Instagram, Ali Waddell and Ali Waddell Wellness on Facebook. Um, They can also go to my website. I am building out some new stuff. I'm going to have a Facebook group launching and some group programs coming up in the fall. And then I put out videos, you know, at least once a week. Usually I'm shooting for three a week. So a lot of kind of free information and interviews. So what would you say is the deepest truth, your core mission in this moment today, right now, what comes through you to really impact the wellness world? You know, the mission, I mean, really the message is that there's a badass living inside of every person. You know, it is getting real curious and having fun with your wellness path. Stop making it so damn serious. This is like, (laughs) this is like an 80 year old, you know, a 90 year old plan. You know, you're going for 90 years. It's like the long term of the long term. You know, it's your whole life. Yeah. So have fun with it. I mean, really stop making it so serious and like bring some joy into your life. Cultivate joy and love and laughter and like you'll feel a lot better. Somebody's listening to you. They're smiling like me. They're feeling that kind of warmth in their chest. They're on the edge of their seat. They want to go on a hike or just do something now. What can they do? I mean, what's one thing they can do this weekend to take inspired action in alignment with your message of just enjoying the thing and showing up for their lives? Yeah, I really believe that it all starts with gratitude and getting silent. So one of my mantras is breathe in love and breathe out gratitude, creating a real gratitude practice, starting the day, ending the day with what you're thankful for. It will make everything in your life better and it will make everything enough, including yourself. Ali Waddell, showing up for our lives. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're definitely going to have to have you back again because I feel like we just scratched the tip of the iceberg, you and I. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, Josh. I love Wellness Force. I love being a part of the Facebook group. And I'm just so excited that I finally get to talk to you in the real life. And it's just one of many. Thanks, Allie. Thanks, bud. Thanks for listening to the show. If you're ready to take inspired action, 
From this week's Wellness Force Friday podcast, let me hear your voice. Tap your show artwork, click the link in purple that says review this podcast, write down your thoughts about this episode and what you're committed to creating this weekend and into the next. Don't let this conversation stop here. In your same show artwork, tap on the link that says join the Facebook group for added accountability and connection to support the physical and emotional wellness for the collective and ourselves. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.